So for Christmas, Kelsey got me something that I've been wanting to do for years. And so she did not get me something, but, you know, booked an experience. Uh Uh-huh. And took me to the Seacrest Wolf Preserve in Chipley, Florida. It is about two hours west of Tallahassee Mm -hmm. in what I would probably call the middle of nowhere, but I'm sure the people who live there don't think so, and that's, that's good. Um... And that, that's what happened. Um, what I want to know is, I saw pictures of uh-huh. this. Wolves are just roaming around. Yep. And you're roaming around with them. Yep. Did you ever feel in danger? No. <laughs> it was incredible. They have 32 wolves on the property. Okay. Um, they are separated by fences um, into different packs. Okay. And so the packs don't really interact with each other because I don't think it's what they do in the wild. Okay. It's on a large property. I don't remember the acreage, but like... It's big. Okay. Um, so these animals are not like in a zoo, mm-hmm. um, but they do just kind of let you in and the wolves come up and smell you and wrestle with you if you are bald. Um, <laughs> what I learned is that the wolves love bald men Okay. and come up and just like rub themselves all over their heads. Oh my gosh. They're just big dogs. Yeah. And so how this is possible apparently is that these wolves were kind of imprinted on by humans when they were pups. Mm-hmm. And so they don't consider humans a danger okay. because they're around humans all the time. And so they are essentially just big dogs, okay. um, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and the Secrets Wolf Preserve's whole deal um, is education. Uh-huh. And so wolves are not currently endangered, mm-hmm. according to the people who decide that. Um, they are hunted for sport a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the most dangerous animal to wolves is man. Interesting. Um, and so we got to learn a lot about what pack mentality is really like. Mm-hmm. The myth of the lone wolf. Like, oh. that's not a thing. They are very, very communal animals. In fact, if a wolf's mate dies, a male wolf will mourn itself to death. Oh. Um, lone wolf is not a thing. Um, but the pack structure is... But it's not that there is like one alpha male that then breeds with all of the females or anything like that. It's one alpha male and one alpha female. Like lobsters. They essentially mate for life. Yeah. Um, And all the other pack members defer to them unless there's some kind of challenge. They they don't fight necessarily if they challenge. They might like snarl and then if one of them backs down, that's it. They're done. And now there's a new alpha. Oh, um, weird. It's really interesting and it's a family structure. Yeah. And they all care about each other and support each other. How fascinating. I know, it really, really is. Really lovely. And they're beautiful, friendly animals. Yeah. Um, I did not have the pleasure of a wolf just coming up to me and, and playing with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a particularly large group that day, mm-hmm. and so there were a lot of other people that they were okay. distracted by. But as you saw with the photos, yeah. I did get to take a photo with them. I was about to say, you were close with them. There, there were four of them there. That was one pack that, that they called the Brat Pack. Um, <laughs> we were toward the end of the line for mm-hmm. the photos, and so you can see one wolf very prominently in our photos. Her name is Echo. Um, and if you howl at her, she will howl back, which is why it's her delightful. name is Echo. And so we did that. We were the only people in our group that I saw do that <laughs> for the picture, which I thought was dumb. Um, I will have this available for people to look at. <laughs> Please put it in the newsletter. Um, if you're not following me on Instagram, um, definitely in the newsletter. But the other three in this pack, you can see two kind of behind me, like smelling something. Mm-hmm. And then there's one on the ground next to me. and You can just see the very top of it. 
Um, one of them is my favorite. His name is Mesa, and he has kind of a dark face, and he is, he's the shy one. Aww. But he's not the alpha male. Um, he's, I think he's a beta male. Um, and, like, he just has a very timid personality, even though he's beautiful and just, like, this big wolf, but he, like, defers to all the other wolves <laughs> first and, like, sticks to the back of the pack, and I just love him. That's adorable. And so I bought a magnet with his face on it. <laughs> And it is now sitting on my refrigerator, and I stroke his snoot when I go into the kitchen. <laughs> like, good luck. And tell him he's a good boy. <laughs> so, worth it? So worth it. An okay. amazing experience. Okay. Fun. And there were a lot of people there that a day? A lot of people there that day. Wow. Honestly, kind of too many people. Yeah. If I had a complaint, yeah. it's that I think they let too many people on the tour. Yeah. But. How many people do they let in? This was close to 150 people. Oh, gee. Yeah. And then and they cut like, it off that day? Like, I, is that is it 150 people I, a day? I guess. Okay. Um, I read that they normally have between 100 and 150 people. Okay. I was expecting, like, 30. Yeah. You, well, I just didn't know people knew about it, to yeah. be honest. No, because I learned about it shortly after moving to Tallahassee and have been waiting to go for seven years. Yeah. And so I assumed everybody else was like me. Yeah. <laughs> Hadn't gone yet. Probably part of it was the holidays. Yeah. People finding stuff to do with their families. I think that's exactly what it was. There yeah. were lots of big family groups. Yeah. Oh, good job, Kelsey. Absolutely. Amazing present. Yay. Welcome to episode 206 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I need to go home and lesson plan. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. New Year, New You. <laughs> part two. <laughs> part two. New Year, New You, part two. Um, something that I want to do on the podcast this year that we have not had time to like sit down and formally talk about, um, but it's to introduce a regular monthly feature on the show that is something we already kind of do, mm-hmm. but I want to name it and make it regular. And so you can start expecting this, something that I'm going to call for the moment, although we may retitle by next month, Seasonal Reads. Mm -hmm. I just think that there are so many seasons of the year that are not spring, summer, fall, winter. Yes. There are so many kind of holiday or emotional or zeitgeist kind of seasons, like something that's on everybody's mind right now. And I think when we do those episodes, because we already do, like as you said, we already have done them. them. Yeah. Um, but they're, they wind up being really popular and we like doing them because they ground the show a little bit. Like they give us a theme and so something specific for us to talk about. Yeah. And we, we do this with scary books Uh or Halloween books, but one that comes to mind specifically because you said zeitgeist was the me too episode we did. So, and that was this time last year. Oh, was it? Mm -hmm. It was right after reading resolutions. 2018 was so long. Uh huh. (laughs) Um, so I love, I like this idea. I'm on board. I feel good about this. And so this is something that you can expect from us in 2019, seasonal reads. Seasonal reads. Um, to start off January 2019, we're going to do a pretty open-ended, um, easily interpretable in different ways seasonal read, which is just the idea of a fresh start. Yeah. This can mean a lot of different things to different people. It can mean new resolutions. It can mean... Um, cleaning out your house or your life, decluttering your brain, um, or just starting a new thing that you've never done before. And so we wanted to take several of those interpretations of Fresh Start um, and kind of give you recommendations of 
books and other things like books to get you to help you get started in your fresh start. Yeah, I think I mean I absolutely love I'm reading fiction right now, but also like the first book I picked up in the new year had to do with my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and because that's where I was like mentally was I, we have some projects to do in our house this mm-hmm. year. I kind of wanted to get a grasp on those. Um, so that's immediately what came to mind right. when you mentioned fresh starts. I thought of the new, we referenced it last week, the new Marie Kondo show. Yeah. Have you guys watched this? I haven't yet. Okay. I've read a lot of tweets about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, admittedly did not read her book which I can never remember the full title it's the oh something art of tide the magical art of tidying up. I thought it was the life-saving magic of tidying that's what up. it is yeah. life-saving magic of tidying up yes yep. so, and the whole thing is like you go through your house yes and you have to hold every object yes and and think about whether or not it brings you joy. That's and if correct. it does not, you throw it away. Right. So I was super eye-rolly about this when mm-hmm. it came out. Um, but it was a bestseller. We sold a ton of copies oh, on the yeah. shelf. And it's a beautiful little book. But I did skip to the chapter on how to fold your clothes. Ah. And I fold my clothes that way now. So does Jordan. Um, but I'm really bad at folding clothes. So is Jordan. So when I, I just hesitated because I realized I really fold clothes. But don't worry, guys. We there is equal. other division <laughs> of household labor. <laughs> I was about to say I don't want to get messages that are like Annie thought you were a feminist. Everybody, calm down. <laughs> I just fold the clothes honestly because I'm better at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I so I was kind of eye rolly about the whole thing. But then I thought, well, let I was super mad. I, because I had that moment after Christmas where mm-hmm. I was like, let's burn the whole thing down. Yep. I Everything is dirty. Everything, there's too much stuff. It's going down. Like we're, the, That's the, how I feel about America. <laughs> the crap has hit the fan. Like, So then I was like, Jordan, will you watch the show with me? So we watched an episode. She is delightful. Like I think from the book, I kind of was eye-rolly about mm-hmm. it because I thought, ugh, it's this new agey, new agey but also very strident woman instead she's this very petite japanese woman mm-hmm. who comes into these people's homes she walks around their rooms and then she sits she kneels in the middle of their floor because the first thing she does we want let's thank the house for all it has all given you house. yeah and i was like and if somebody had just done that for hill house i feel like it <laughs> wouldn't have been so haunted well and i was like oh my gosh jordan let's kneel down right now this house has done so much for us like i just feel very so i'm gonna say that if you have not read the marie kondo book i think it probably would make a great accompaniment to mm-hmm. the show but if you want to get your fresh start into marie kondo maybe yeah, yeah try the show. the show um and then i the book i got for christmas that kind of sparked my own reading and what I'm going to refer to as the purge of 2019 is Cozy Minimalism, mm-hmm. um, which is by Michael Lynn Smith. It is a lovely book. I've not read the whole thing. Um, it's very coffee table-esque, but surprisingly lots of um, essays and lots of verbiage in it. I like it. Um, I think a lot of it will work for me. Some of it won't. And that is the case, I think, with books about living yeah, in your home. Like course. some of it's going to work for you and some of it won't. Um but I thought that was good. And then another kind of similar, it's not about your house, but it is about like um, fixing your life, bullet journaling or dot yeah. journaling books. Um, we are doing another dot journaling class at the bookshelf in February because it's so popular yeah. every time. Um, so those are kind of fresh starts, decluttering your mm-hmm. home, decluttering, decluttering your, your mind. mind. Yeah, th- that's where my mind went first. And I think that's where my mind went first, too. But then we have this interaction with the customer on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelsey and I were in Thomasville for her birthday and happened to stop into the bookshelf. Um, and this woman 
walked up to the counter with a handful of books, all of which were from my shelf, yeah. which left me feeling very gratified. <laughs> um, but she had a copy of David Sedaris's Calypso, which mm-hmm. was one of my favorite books of last year, and said, my husband isn't really a reader. Mm-hmm. Is this a good book to kind of ease him into reading? Mm-hmm. And I immediately just said, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. David Sedaris is kind of a perfect gateway mm-hmm. into reading because he's funny. I think he's relatable even when he's being terrible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes especially when he's being terrible <laughs> and voicing these things that like many of us think yes. and don't want to say out loud. Yes. And then he will sometimes chastise himself for it, mm-hmm. which is necessary <laughs> on occasion. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're short. They're accessible. Yeah. They are... They're a perfect gateway into reading for someone who maybe doesn't read. Yes. And even for people who are weird about short story collections mm-hmm. or essay collections. Which I don't understand, but right. sure. Yeah. But if you are, David Sears is a great, a great gateway drug and a great introduction. Absolutely. Jordan and I, on your recommendation, we just haven't finished it. I wanted to finish it in mm-hmm. 2018, but it didn't happen. We started listening to Calypso mm-hmm. on our vacation. Like yeah. Like, I say vacation, please. On your on your trip. On our trip. <laughs> on our trip for Christmas. And we just kept looking at each other. Like, an essay would end, and we both would be like, that man is a genius. Yeah. Like, he is a genius. Honestly. He's so smart, but so poignant. Mm-hmm. And then This American Life re-released Santa Land Diaries yeah. uh, for, for the holiday season. And so I was listening to that while doing inventory. Mm-hmm. God, he's so funny. He's so funny and, and so smart. And I can't imagine... Especially what I've heard of Calypso so far. I can't imagine anyone picking that up and not enjoying themselves. Yes. No, I agree. Um, and I think the last two essays are the best in the collection. And I also think Calypso is his best collection. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people are going to agree with me on that. But I have read them all, and Calypso is my favorite by far. I think you're on to something by identifying, like, quote-unquote, easy books to help. We talk all the time in the bookstore about reluctant readers who are like middle grade. We don't talk about reluctant adult readers. And they're out there. Um, And so I think David Sedaris is a great place to start. A good accessible entry point. Yeah. And then I also thought, well, really, any of those celebrity memoirs are a good entry point. And so I think the queen of this was Tina Fey. Yes. We both adore Bossy Pants. I think Bossy Pants is super smart. I like it way better than Amy Poehler's collection. Mm -hmm. Yes, please Um, is okay. Yes, please is fine. Um, But Tina Fey's Bossy Pants is excellent. I think Mindy Kaling, both of her collections mm-hmm. are legitimately really funny and really thought provoking and hilarious. Um, I also thought of the like in a newer publishing date, uh, Busy Phillips. Mm-hmm. I haven't read hers, um, but a couple of people I follow on Instagram and then a couple of in in store customers really raved about her and mm-hmm. really like her. I follow her on Instagram. I think she's a delight. Um, but again, for these reluctant readers in your life who just are not drawn mm-hmm. to literature, let's stop judging people for not being Absolutely. readers. And instead let's offer a solution, which is here's a book I really love. You can read it in bite-sized mm-hmm. increments. All of these are good audiobooks because I think celebrity memoirs are great via audio. I totally agree. Uh, especially when they're reading them themselves. I think I mentioned on the last episode, I finished Michelle Obama's memoir and so many people have come out of the woodwork to say the audiobook is great because she narrates it. Right. Um, and that's what I love about Bossy Pants yes. audiobook because Tina Fey reads it. Every David Sedaris book, he, he reads, reads it. it. And he needs to read it. He his, needs to read it. Like, so it's, it's not the same no. if he's not reading it. No. Um, and that got me thinking too, audiobooks I think are a good solution for the reluctant I reader. I think so too. 
I have struggled with audiobooks because I'm such a visual learner. Uh, and I know other people Same. out there like me. Yeah. yeah. And espe- but especially if you like Jordan, for example, or like you, um, are driving back and forth right. all the time, audiobooks, I love podcasts, but audiobooks are a great, great way to feel like you're, I don't know, accomplishing something. Yeah. Um, Jordan likes podcasts, but he loves audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I do not love audiobooks, but there are a few I do like, and I'd recommend if you are hesitant. Um, first of all, we have a great audiobook resource. Yep, um, Libro.fm. It is just like, in my opinion, something like Audible or... Very popular Audible. Yeah. What is the other... Jordan used to use... Is it Scribd or Scribd? Scribd, yeah. Okay. Anyway, in the, it's an app, and it's digital audiobooks. Mm-hmm. The difference is we earn, and somebody asked me the percentage the other day, it's 15% of mm-hmm. your audiobook purchase goes back to an independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. You can select the bookshelf. If you have another favorite indie bookstore, no judgment here. Yeah, we want you to support, yeah, we support, want you to your, support local store. your local store. Um, but it's a great way to support indie bookstores while also having the practical practicality and convenience of mm-hmm. an audiobook. And it is a small company. Yes. Um, they list their entire staff on their website, and it's not very many <laughs> it's like people. Five people. But they do a tremendous job with procuring the audiobooks that you want. Yeah. Um, for booksellers, they have a list every month of um, free listening copies that yeah. we can get. Which I think is so kind. It's so kind because it's the same model as advanced reader copies. Yes. And they call them advanced listening copies. Yeah. Um, so for someone like me who drives a lot for work, I can listen to these books that haven't come out yet mm-hmm. in the way that I wouldn't be able to read them. Yeah. So Libro FM is a great option. If you are trying to jump on board the audiobook train, I think Educated, yep. which was a By best-selling book of 2018, mm-hmm. um, is a great listen. Interestingly, she does not narrate it, but I think that's okay. The mm-hmm. narrator is fantastic. This is an audiobook I listened to and loved. Um, um, Calypso by David Sedaris is another really great one to start with. Yes. Um, I've listened to a lot of Malcolm Gladwell books on audiobook. Which would be great New Year's which books. Which are great New Year's books. I don't always love and agree with everything Malcolm Gladwell says, but I do think he's very smart mm-hmm. um, and very thought-provoking. And thoughtful. Like, and, I don't, yeah. I think he's intentional with what he, the Absolutely. research he's done. And- Absolutely. And so I listened to Outliers on audiobook a couple years ago, and it was so good. Yeah. And it just made me think a lot about the world that I live in and the things that I take for granted. I love for fiction, because I think for me, mm-hmm. fiction is harder to Absolutely. listen to. That might not be true for everybody, but it's true for me. And for me. Um, Rabbit Cake, ah. because the narration feels memoir-esque in that it's basically a Scout Finch type character um, talking about grief and overcoming her mother's death. I remember listening to this like on the way to a friend's birthday party out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and just feeling like, this narrator was keeping me such company and I yeah. didn't want to get out of the car. Like I, I thought it was so good. Um, and then also this is how it always is, which is another book that I think got rave reviews. I, I think the last mm, 50 to hundred pages of that book are a little, maybe could have used some editing or maybe that's just me. I, I, there's a section of that book that I struggled with a little bit, not with content, just with, it felt like it dragged slightly. Mm-hmm. However, it was the first audiobook I ever listened to mm. all the way through. The narration is amazing, and the story is really thought-provoking um, without, like, punching you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, those are kind of my audiobook recommendations, which are also great for reluctant readers. And the one that I have queued in my Libro FM app right now is Little Fires Everywhere. 
Miss Lesting. Oh. I think it'll make a good listening. I think so, too. Um, And I have only just started it and not listened very far, but I'm hooked. All right. Well, she hooks you real good. Yeah. She hooks you real good. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Arson. Um, I also, when you said fresh starts, I was thinking about this book I picked up, yes, in a Barnes & Noble. I was, Jordan and I, yeah, we were on a date in Tallahassee. Um, We had to go to the movies. Well, we didn't have to. We got, (laughs) we were excited to go to see a movie, but... At the movie theater mm-hmm. complex is Barnes & Noble. So we had some time. So Jordan was browsing. I was looking and was so pleased with myself. Instead of walking around taking pictures of books I need to stock for the store, I actually picked up a book and flipped through it. And the book was Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans, mm. which I feel like I've seen on Instagram or referenced on podcasts. And it's not something that I ever would pick up based on its cover. I mean, it is – and it's huge. Yeah. It is, it's a resource manual, right. essentially – But what a perfect book for the new year because it's not designed for you to sit there and read straight through. It's set up – Tim Ferriss has basically interviewed all of these different thinkers, celebrities, Mm -hmm. athletes, basically the most successful people you can imagine in tech or in Mm -hmm. sports or whatever. In very different fields. Yes. And he's asked them a variety of questions, and some of those questions overlap and some of them don't. Um, But the gist is what makes – successful people or high achieving people successful and high achieving mm-hmm. um as someone who maybe achieves a little more than she should <laughs> um what is i hated being called an, an overachiever in high mm-hmm. school but i understand now <laughs> i understand now, now why that term was used <laughs> um but i loved it because I didn't have to sit and read the whole thing to take away some true nuggets of like how people spend their time. Oh, where am I wasting my time? So I think it's great and thought provoking for that. It'll help you, I think, identify what goals you want to set. You know, the things an athlete does are not necessarily the things I am going to do every morning. Right. You're um, not going to eat seven almonds every night like Barack Obama. Like Barack Obama. Um, <laughs> Go back to my favorite joke of 2015. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the premise of – and also getting to see – there are some major similarities with right. with these successful people. And then there are some major differences because how people achieve is different depending on who they are right. and what their field is. So anyway, highly recommend. And along those lines, one book that I loved that I read a couple years ago is What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast. Yeah. I think it's by Laura, I want to say Vanderkam. I love this book, again, because it varies. Like, there's not one formula that works for everyone. Right. Oh, how that would be great if that were true, but it's not. Yep. Um, but instead, I walked away thinking, oh, like, some people, like, this was mind-blowing to me that people read in the morning before they went to work. Mm-hmm. What? How? Uh, like, I mostly yeah. read in the evening. We've talked about this. So I loved thinking, wait, do I have time in the morning to read? Can I restructure my day? Right. I haven't, right. but, but, but potentially. But I liked that. I liked knowing, oh, there's that option. Or you know, one person was like, I don't do a ton of exercise, but I stretch. Like just these little things that helped me realize, oh, probably to take the biggest advantage of my day, you have to do things before breakfast because after breakfast, other people dictate your day. Yeah, you're the only person in charge of before breakfast, unless you have children, in which case someone else is dictating your day. Yeah, that's that's a different scenario. <laughs> Um, so those two books immediately came to mind. And then I also thought of like Brene Brown, right? the book Essentialism. So like if you are a person who loves setting goals or intentions for yourself, I think these are books that would set you on the right path for the new year. Absolutely. And I think another 
important and maybe not often overlooked, but sometimes overlooked aspect to setting goals and intentions and resolutions is accountability and just the idea of having a community that you're doing things with. Yes. I think Bookstagram is potentially great Mm -hmm. for that kind of thing where someone is offering a challenge and you are going along with them. Yes. And so like my challenge to myself is that I want to not look at screens in the hour before I go to bed, but read books. And if this is something that you would also like to implement in your life, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it together. I'm not going to do a hashtag about it or anything. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a bookstagrammer, but like if you want to tag me in something, that's great. And I, I mean, we see all over the internet, right? Like reading challenges uh-huh. and I'm all for it. I was very careful and intentional with the bookshelf's reading challenge this year because I didn't want to be overwhelming mm-hmm. or bombard people mm-hmm. with unnecessary challenges. Like I feel like some of us are challenging ourselves enough, Yep. but I wanted to go through some of what I suggested in our 2019 challenge, which you can find in our story highlights yep. on Instagram. So seasonal read, yep. interestingly enough, was <laughs> the first thing I came up with. A classic novel you missed in school. The reason I talked about this is because you and I have talked at length about how some classics are worth revisiting or reading for the first time. And most are. And then there are a few that are not. Mm -hmm. So go back and think to yourself, or if you are a parent, read along with your child. Like while they're reading Lord of the Flies, read Lord of the Flies. You're going to get something different out of it than they do, and you're supposed to. Yeah. And (laughs) And that's great. That's the, sorry, I just realized that's the reading resolution I originally set for myself. I just want to read Lord of the Flies. Oh, really? I make so good. Well, I make so many references. There's a house near us that I call the Lord of the Flies I house. remember that, yeah. And so I, but I need to own the reference. Like, yeah. I reference it, but I've never read the book. And it's like 120 pages right. long. It's tiny. So that's one of my goals for the year, is to read uh, Lord Excellent. of the Flies. It's yeah, totally let's, achievable. Let's do an episode about that. Okay, I'd love to do let's that. Let's do that in like May. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> Um, another, interestingly, since we're on this topic, another uh, category I recommended was personal growth, mm-hmm. inspired in part by When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> oh, he's, there's someone staring at you from personal growth. Um, but also because I do think sometimes, particularly in the internet, on the internet, we can feel this pressure to read the most books. Mm-hmm. And a personal growth book, I think, will require you to slow down mm-hmm. a minute and to self-reflect. Um, I also suggested Southern Lit by a p- person of color. Or, I love that one. Um, then I can never pronounce this word, epistolary novel, uh-huh. um, which I think could include emails, texts. Absolutely. I, I highly recommend Hey Ladies. Hey Ladies counts. So delightful. An unread title from your own shelves. Mm. Look, I'm not judging whoever said this, but somebody on my Instagram feed said that they were setting up an unread book challenge, which I like, absolutely, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. But they said they had 600 unread books in their home. And I was like, "What? wait, what? How many books do you think are in my house? A lot. Is it? Is it a yeah. lot? Okay. Because yeah. like, I'm in my home all the time. So I mean, I'm like, it's as this, many as in mine. Is it? Right. Is that a lot? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, you can compare it to like Hunter, which is more than a lot. Yes. And then there's the average person, which is some. Uh-huh. We are solidly above average okay. in like owning books. And again, I want to pass no judgment on this person. They might be a uh, podcast listener. No. I just was astounded. Yes, I'm impressed. And also astounded, I don't. I clearly don't count mine. I have no idea how many books I own. Well, think about how many fit on a shelf. I don't, and I couldn't tell you that. But it's got to be upwards of 20. Oh my gosh. And then think how many shelves you have. Mm, it's, I, you have easily 200 mm, plus books in your house. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Makes me want to go watch a Marie Kondo episode. Um, <laughs> a book based on a new movie or TV show. Um, for example, 
I don't know that I'm going to read it before I see the movie, but if Beale Street could talk. Yeah. We were talking about that with mm-hmm. Kelsey. And then subject of a childhood obsession. So this That's is what interesting. I mean. Yeah. So this is what I mean. Like as a kid, I was obsessed with the Romanoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think in adulthood, it would be nice to, instead of using the Meg Ryan animated classic Anastasia as uh-huh. my foundation for knowledge about the Romanoffs, I should probably read about the Romanoffs. Right. And there's any number of books yes. to help you out with that. I loved the lost city of Atlantis. Yeah. We have a book in nonfiction that is all about the search for Atlantis, but not in a hokey Dan Brown kind of way. Yeah. But like talking about where this myth came from yeah. and like why we still talk about it. And I love that yeah. stuff. And I want to read that book. That's what I mean. Like yeah. stuff that like, like lit you up. <laughs> That's the only way I can, like I got so animated mm-hmm. thinking about and talking about the Romanovs or because I read those Dear America books, mm-hmm. not sure if you're familiar, very popular when I was a child, um, especially among the female set. Um, but now in adulthood, instead of reading a Dear America book over again, right. maybe actually reading a nonfiction title yeah. about Anastasia right. or about the Romanovs. Um, if you were obsessed like I was with the Olympics, mm. like I was the Magnificent Seven, like those gymnasts, like maybe it's time to go back and read a book, or I really want to look. There's a new podcast out about Larry Nasser. Oh, interesting. So, so this is what I'm talking about. Like, take your childhood obsession, because we all had them. Yeah. And then let's read a book about it and and see how it compares to how we felt about that subject as a child. Yeah. Anyway. And I think some people are going to be resistant to that because they don't want to sell you their good childhood memory. Yeah. You can still hold on to your good childhood That's memory. Right. It's yeah. still there, but just, now you can know something more complicated about it. Exactly. Like, it just adds a little nuance, and it doesn't diminish your joy. Have you seen... You've seen Inside Out. Yes. This is the whole point of Inside Out. Though, yes. Like, sometimes happy memories and sad memories go Legal. together. That's right. And they're supposed to. Yeah. So, anyway, that was one I was really excited about, obviously. I feel like you can tell. But, like, yeah. I was so intrigued by this idea of, oh, I was really interested in... Um, World War II, thanks to Molly McIntyre and the American Girl books, maybe it's time to read a World War II novel. Or, you know, and that yeah. that is so much easier to do because there are countless novels about that. But And so if you want help with your reading challenge, Fresh Start, we've got an easy one yep. for you to follow along with on the Bookshop Instagram. I will also transcribe that post into our show notes. Perfect. And have it ready for everybody and hope you will follow along. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. of sin. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support from the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. 
we closed for inventory uh -huh. last week for two days, um, which is the first, we normally close for one day and use a Sunday. But we had a good Christmas and it was like, we need to get inventory done sooner uh -huh. rather than later. So we shut it down and it was appalling to me and fascinating that after Christmas, so many people, I and mean, it was kind of gratifying. Yeah. So many people came to the door and like couldn't get in. And there was a sign right at doorknob level like saying, hey, we're closed, happy new year, we're closed for these two days for inventory. And the number of people who, I guess, either didn't see the sign, or I know Kelsey and Olivia said that one woman on the day, like we put the sign up in advance, so we put the sign up, I don't know, New Year's Eve, mm -hmm. and we were gonna be closed January 2nd and 3rd. This, this woman, like open the door, the lights are on in the store, Kelsey and Olivia are working, I think Kelsey said, good morning, how are you? And the woman was like, are you open? And Kelsey was like, yes, we're open. And the woman kind of looked a little disgruntled, closed the door, made a point to like reread the sign, and then opened the door again. Are you sure you guys are open? And Kelsey and Olivia were like, yes, yeah, yes we're, we're open. We're here. And then the lady- We're not just mistakenly working our shift. Yeah, and the lady appeared to be, I think, a little bit frustrated with our sign, because I think she thought it was wrong. And then she read it again. A and third time. A third time, and then came in and was like, well, guess I can't read. <laughs> I was like, and well, like, at least you're acknowledging and it. And wanted to, like, prove her superiority over these lowly retail employees <laughs> yeah. by pointing out that their sign was wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, there are better things in life. It was hilarious, though. And I, yeah, I no, got to say, I got to say, at least she turned it around and was like, well, can't read. And I'm glad she owned that one, because if she had, yeah. Yeah. I would have been pretty This upset. would be a very different Very different story. Well, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Bye.